Merry Christmas. I, thank you. Um, a couple qualifications. A, I, I have a little touch of fever right now, so if I, I've been like a little shivering. Um, so I just want to say it's shivering. I'm not like shaking because I'm so nervous to be speaking to you all. Um, and then B, um, I have this like really bad habit of laughing at inappropriate moments. Um, I don't know if any of you do that, but I actually, um, when I was in nursing school, I was giving, somebody else was giving a presentation and I got points knocked off my presentation um, because I laughed at an inappropriate time during somebody else's uh, presentation. So I, I practiced this with my mom and we got a kick out of one of the things that I said. So if I like look at my mom and start laughing, just know it's not because I think it's funny. It's not, it's not, it's not funny. Um, but thank you all so much for being here. Um, I'm really excited to, to be here with you all tonight. And again, another qualification if I lean on this stool. Um, I hope that's not awkward, but um, it helps me not pass out. So we're going to probably stay there. Um, but uh, Merry Christmas again. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I like that. Um, so it is day two of the Advent season, and I am here for it. Um, I don't know about you all, but the Blazos are well past ready for Christmas. Um, my husband Mario and I, um, I used to be like a huge Grinch until Thanksgiving because I staunchly thought that we needed to respect Thanksgiving. Um, and, and I don't know if it, maybe some of you are that way. That's totally fine. Um, but but my husband, Mario, he's kind of like the elf. Um, and, and also, like, Thanksgiving's a little weird when you can't eat. Um, so we had our Christmas tree up, like, halfway through October. And, and it's so fun to, like, watch everyone catch up. Um, <laughs> but I am really so thankful to be with you all tonight. Um, I was a little sicker than normal over the past week, so I actually missed family Thanksgiving. Um, and you don't have to feel bad for me. It wasn't a big deal. Um, again, I don't eat the turkey, so. Um, I was pretty concerned, though, I, I might end up in the hospital and, and we would have to resort to our plan B for tonight, um, which was a video. And um, I always feel like my voice sounds about 27 octaves higher when it's recorded. It, um, maybe it sounds that way to you right now. Um, but I'm thankful you don't have to endure that. Um, but I'm, I'm really thankful for Calvary. Um, and if, if you don't have a church home, this is a fantastic group of people to learn and grow with. Um, I don't think I could feel more encouraged and prayed for by Calvary. Um, and I'm so thankful for Heidi and all the people who organized this event. Um, it's just been stunning. And, and thank you all for letting me share with you tonight. But I, I feel so relaxed because it's like even if this goes horribly and you all walk out, like you already had a beautiful time and ate awesome cookies, right? Um, when she was organizing this event, Heidi was thoughtful enough to realize that it might be a good idea to have a contingency plan, um, hence the video I mentioned. Um, at the time she asked me to speak, I had only been out of the hospital for a little bit, and I had spent most of July and most of August at U of M. 
Uh, and that wasn't my plan A for the summer, but it was God's. And tonight I'm going to share a bit about how I've come to learn that God's plan is always far better than mine. Um, and God's plan is also better than yours. I don't necessarily personally know you, but God's plan is better than yours. Um, no matter how wildly brilliant you are and, and how stunning you look in your Christmas gear, which you all look great. Um, God's plan is better even when it looks like the four walls of a hospital room and a very broken body. Uh, so some of you might know quite a bit about me, and uh, like my mom, um, she knows a little bit about me. Uh, some of you may be wondering who I am and what I plan to talk about. Uh, others may have heard that some sick girl would be sharing her story, and that would be correct. Um, I have what a lot of people might call, that wasn't even one of my funny points, so thank you for, thank you for laughing. Um, a lot of people have, call what I have an invisible illness. Um, it's not overtly recognizable. And some of you might be thinking, like, oh, you look terrible. <laughs> it's not invisible. Um, but <laughs> thank you. Um, but most people look at me, and as long as they don't catch sight of my scars or my tubes, they think I look like a fairly typical young woman. Um, I recently went to my primary care doctor after not seeing him for quite some time. Primary care is important, by the way. I don't say that because it's not important. I am in primary care. It's important. Get your checkups. Um, but he, I hadn't seen him for a while, and he gets all the reports of my labs and my hospitalizations and, and everything. Um, so apparently after sifting through all that information, he thought I was going to look pretty terrible. So he came in the room, and he kind of like, gave me a surprised look, and he said, oh, wow, you don't look quite as awful as I thought you would. <laughs> I said, oh, thank you. There's a bit of an odd compliment. But, um, but what I would hope most from tonight is that you might see you in my story. Um, not that you'd see me up here and think, wow, that's tough, or bless her heart. Um, but, but what I would hope is that in my invisible illness, you might see yours, because um, we all have invisible illnesses. Uh, we all have pain, and we all have suffering. It's a, that space between our expectations and reality. Uh, John 16, says, and I'm going to fidget with this, because I was supposed to turn it on, and I didn't. Check that out. John 16, 33 says, now I lost my spot in my notes. Um, it says, in this world you will have trouble. Now, I, I did a word study on that word will, and it means will. Um, <laughs> you will have trouble. Um, actually, it's interesting, the word will isn't even in the Greek. Um, it actually translates as, in this world you have trouble. And the, the word used for to have, um, it translates as like to hold or to wear or to carry. Um, so, so trouble will be so close it'll feel like you're wearing it. That's why it, they call it a burden. Um, and, and whether it's financial difficulties, relational difficulties, rejection, broken dreams, or lost hope, we all have really hard stuff, Right? Uh, and whatever your hard thing is, I want to proclaim tonight that God is so much bigger than that, and he is stronger than anything we could experience here on this earth. And when we hope in the victory that he's already won, we have the opportunity to walk through any earthly circumstance with a lasting hope and joy that goes 
far beyond circumstantial happiness. And that's exactly what Jesus says in the rest of that verse in John 16, um, He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. You'll wear your trouble. It'll be a heavy burden. But take heart because I have overcome the world. When I was in fourth grade, I started to lose my vision. Uh, glasses were not cool yet. Um, they were pretty geeky. So I determined that I would hide my vision issues. It's a very smart thing to do. Um, and I did pretty good for a while. Um, I vividly remember being in that building over there. I think it's over there. I never, I'm not very good with perceptual awareness. Um, but in the school building, I was over there. Um, and I was in the last row, which was a great place when you have vision issues. And I was second seat from the left, and, and I could not see the chalkboard. Um, so, so anytime I needed to see something on the board, I would just go up to the pencil sharpener, or I would go up to my cubby and, like, get another piece of paper, because apparently I was taking, like, really vigorous fourth grade notes. Um, and, and, and that worked really well for a while. Um, but then my class had our field trip at Greenfield Village, and, and my safeguards were not present in the one-room schoolhouse. Uh, so ultimately, I ended up having to write, I will not copy off my neighbor's slate, um, what felt like 272 times, because I was most definitely copying off of my neighbor's slate. Um, my teacher didn't not want me to look at my neighbor's slate because it was inherently wrong. I wasn't copying. I wasn't cheating. Um, we were just copying stuff up the board. Um, but it wasn't the source. It wasn't, wasn't where we were supposed to look. She wanted me to, to get the, the right information from the source because things get lost in translation. So I could see the things that were close, like right up here, like my neighbor's slate. Uh, but the board was real fuzzy. Um, I was nearsighted. I I actually am nearsighted. Um, and a lot of times pain, hard things, can do that to us. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Uh, but we can get so stunted by our difficulties and even others' difficulties um, that we just, like, can't even see past our noses. We, we get nearsighted. Uh, we're we're navel-gazing. I don't know if you guys have ever, like, thought about that word navel-gazing. Um, I hadn't, and, and it actually navel means nose, right? So it's navel-gazing. You're like looking, you can't see past your nose. I thought that was so interesting. Um, but in John 16, Jesus is reminding us before he went to the cross that the things we can see so easily right up close, they aren't the whole picture. Uh, he wants us to, to practice the perspective of eternity, to put on our glasses and look at the chalkboard, and remember that even when everything seems to be crashing down, like right around us, there's something written up there on the chalkboard, and that's the true source. And it's reminding us in our darkness that our light has come. Uh, and that's the true source. Our source has come to the earth. Jesus came to the earth as a baby, and he overcame everything that we can see right up here. Uh, he overcame the here and now. And we need to know that because in this world, we will have trouble. Um, things just don't always go as planned. I don't know where that statement is meeting you today, but I am confident that it is meeting every single one of you. Um, 
Maybe you planned the most stunning table. They were all awesome out there. I don't think anyone's glass broke, but that was, that's written on my notes. Maybe you planned the most stunning table and your glass broke on the way over. Um, or maybe the person that you were so excited to see tonight, they weren't able to make it at the last minute for whatever reason. Maybe you don't have the budget for what you hope to do this year or you don't know how you're going to make it to your next paycheck. Uh, maybe there's a relationship that's been super tainted and the holidays are just bringing that all to the forefront. Uh, maybe you have a child that's estranged or sick. Or maybe you're sick. Uh, maybe you lost a loved one and, and whether this is the, the first or the 27th Christmas without them, it just doesn't feel the same. It, it's not what you planned. Um, this is really good so far, right? It's super encouraging. <laughs> Thank you, next speaker, please. Um, but that's life, right? It just, doesn't it seem like plans fall through when you most want them to work out? Uh, it seems like they fall through, like, right when you don't want them to. We, we have these grand plans for a beautiful Christmas, visions of sugar plums in Norman Rockwell. Everyone will get along, and everything will taste so delicious. Everyone will be on time, and everyone will be home for Christmas. I mean, we don't, have, we don't have any songs about people being home for birthdays or home for Thanksgiving, but, like, we sing that song, everyone will be home for Christmas. Um, it'll be a white Christmas. I don't want it to be a white Christmas. Maybe you do. Um, but everyone will understand that it's the time to be the most kind and and unfortunately, these hopeful moments, they're so often the times when we're disappointed the most. Um, there are often a billion things swirling around our minds that we would not have planned and we would like to plan a way out of. Uh, so many things that just seem senseless or purposeless. But I'm convinced that God has a purpose for every single thing that happens on this earth. Um, a lot of you may know that in the last couple years of my life, um, things have not quite gone as planned. Uh, in May of 2016, I got married to my amazing husband, Mario, and I was working as a pediatric nurse. It was like my dream job to work with kids, and, and I was in the last semester of my master's program to become a nurse practitioner. Um, despite working the night shift, I was pretty healthy, um, and I was training for my third Detroit Marathon, um, but in October I got very sick and I never quite recovered. Uh, the last three years of my life have been full of pretty disappointing attempts to treat my weird disease, and, and lots of unplanned complications and hospitalizations have come up along the way. Uh, and what might surprise you is that my unplanned story and, and your unplanned story, because I know you all have, have unplanned things, um, they're actually really similar to the Christmas story, the, the original Christmas. Um, often when we think about the Christmas story, we think of it as we see it now. Uh, we see the completed picture of Jesus' birth. We see the chalkboard version. And we rightly view it as beautiful and holy and perfect, because we know the outcome. We have hindsight, our, our Savior's birth, God incarnate. And we know that everything works out in the most beautiful way possible. But the players that, that night, they had a very different perspective. Uh, they, could, they could only see their, their neighbor's slate. Um, they didn't see the Christmas carols and the beautiful Christmas trees and nativity manger scenes. 
Um, they saw the then and now. In, in the then and now for them, it was very unplanned, unexpected, and probably disappointing. And I really highly doubt it was a silent night. Um, new babies cry. It's how they communicate. Um, and I've seen live births with medication in beds, and I have a hard time believing that teenage Mary was silent during her unmedicated labor in the barn. <clears throat> Had you been Mary and Joseph during that present night, you would most likely <clears throat> not have been standing in a circle holding candles and singing Silent Night. Um, for the people there, the things were not quite going as planned. Um, Mary and Joseph had to travel 70 miles. Uh, we don't often think about that whole journey. That's huge, 70 miles over four to seven days to go pay taxes to one of the craziest rulers of all time, Caesar Augustus. Uh, there was no direct deposit or electronic transactions. Uh, they had to take their money there. Um, and oh yeah, that crazy ruler who was known as one of the most brutal rulers. They actually said that it was better to be Caesar Augustus' pig than his son because he killed some of his own children um, and his mother-in-law. Um, but he was also setting out to kill all the babies born in Bethlehem for the purpose of eliminating the child that they were carrying there. Um, and think of Mary. She's a young girl. She's probably a teenager. She's engaged, remaining pure, and all of a sudden she's pregnant. And all of a sudden people are giving her the side eye. Uh, her fiancé is having to question their engagement, and she's seemingly breaking all the customary social prohibitions. And fast forward, and she's very pregnant, and then having to make this long journey, not in a car or on a plane, but they think she either walked or rode a donkey. And I've never been pregnant, but I don't think either would be very ideal during your third trimester. Finally, they get to Bethlehem, but oh wait, there's no rooms. Um, there's no Holiday Inn. Forget bed bugs. They have to worry about fleas because she's giving birth in a dirty stable without her mom. And let me tell you, it makes a difference to have your mom when you're going through hard things. And imagine the burden of giving birth to the Messiah. We think we have pressure. No medications, no mattress, no doctor, no family, and a new baby that already has a hit on him. But this is our good news. This is our gospel. But it happened in a very unlikely, unplanned, and probably disappointing way. When the angels came to the shepherds to announce Jesus' birth, um, their first words were, fear not. Fear not. Why? Because how terrifying would that situation have been? Uh, but in the end, in hindsight, it only reads good news, the best news, joy to the whole world. And this is how God wants to display the gospel in our lives, too. He wants to take broken people in broken situations and inject the hope of eternity to show us and everyone that sees our stories that he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he is more than powerful enough to take our brokenness on earth and make it the most beautiful. I have had the opportunity to learn this truth through my unplanned circumstances. So again, it was 2016 in October, I was working as a nurse at Mott Children's Hospital, and I caught the norovirus when it was making its way around our unit. And nurses were dropping like flies. 
Um, but when I dropped, I never quite got up. And after seemingly recovering from the virus, my body very suddenly developed this trick uh, where it would make anything I ate or drank reappear. Uh, it still hasn't mastered the presentation. Um, but I get sick on, on anything, water, jello, it's really weird. Um, so I started existing on Jolly Ranchers, an IV hydration that was administered by the lovely ladies in row two. Um, side note, if you're feeling ill tonight, we rest assured we have like a wide variety of medical personnel here. <laughs> um, I also started passing out frequently. On my second day of clinical in a pediatrician's office, I just barely made it out of a young patient's room before I passed out in the hallway in, quite a, in front of quite a few tiny onlookers. Um, I, they are probably very scarred to go back to the doctor. Um, and just like that, the, the provider became the patient. I was hospitalized a couple of times, and I was finally diagnosed with gastroparesis and intestinal dysmotility. Um, None of my diseases have easy names, by the way. Just going to throw that out there. Um, but months later, I was able to see a neurologist, and I was diagnosed with a rare disease called autoimmune autonomic ganglionopathy. Um, I always laugh now when I see, um, like, disease awareness gear. Not because that's funny at all, but, again, inappropriate laughter. Um, <laughs> But I, I always laugh thinking about putting that name on a shirt or like a hat or something. Wouldn't that, it would like take up every centimeter of room. Um, but essentially my autonomic nervous system, which is responsible for carrying out the automatic functions of our body, um, it doesn't work very well. Uh, so so that those things that happen without us having to think about them, uh, my body has a hard time do, doing. Uh, my GI tract doesn't like to move. It's very lazy. Um, I no longer sweat. Uh, my cardiorespiratory system is pretty slow in understanding when I change positions. Um, and my immune system doesn't quite always know when to respond to invaders. Um, so after losing so much weight on my Jolly Rancher diet, I was hospitalized to start IV nutrition called TPN. And I made it um, out of the hospital just in time to, to appear for my final presentation for my, my master's degree, but my, my new pump decided to beep the entire time during my presentation, so I've learned to leave it at home. Um, over the last three years, we've tried uh, treatment after treatment, and nothing has quite shown any sort of benefit up until actually a couple weeks ago. Um, I started something called plasmapheresis, and uh, we're seeing some baby steps towards improvement, but they indicate it may be able to heal some of the long-term nerve damage in time, uh, which is really exciting, and I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, Meanwhile, I'm hooked up to some sort of IV at least 13 hours a day. Um, our only vacation in the last couple of years was to the Mayo Clinic, which is a fine destination. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend Minnesota winners. Um, I've gone through 10 central lines due to blood clots and bloodstream infection after bloodstream infection. Um, and surprise, none of these things were actually in my five-year plan. Um, but God is so faithful. Um, I can honestly say that I do not believe one moment of my circumstances have been wasted. Uh, not one night in the ER or day in the hospital. Not one twinge of pain or tear of sadness. And that's not to say that there has not been sadness. 
but God can use our sadness, our pain, our suffering majestically. He, he can take our situations that we would call absolute trash and make them into brilliant displays of his gospel. His gospel that loves to show up in the most unlikely, unplanned, and undesirable circumstances. Psalm 126.5 says that those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. I just love that. God doesn't say you will have trouble, but don't cry. Don't be sad. Don't worry. Be happy. And as much as I like to jam to Bob Marley, I am so glad that God doesn't just give us a good beat in a platitude. He tells us that we will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This here is not the end. Don't just look at the slate. Put on your glasses and look at the chalkboard. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. You may be thinking, why? <laughs> like, why would, why would I sing a song of joy amidst this broken body? Why would you sing a song of joy amidst your suffering, amidst this broken world? Because we have eternal hope. Our God is not like any other God that this world tries to offer us. He is not the God of wealth, health, and prosperity that says you can do it all and have it all. You just have to work hard and hustle. No, that's not the true God. Nor is he the God of other religions that says you just have to do the right thing and say the right thing, and you can work your way to God. You can do enough good things and be a good enough person, and then God will love you. No, our God already loves us. In this only true God demonstrated his love to us in this, that while we were still sinners, God sent his son into the world as a baby in a set of very unlikely and dirty circumstances. And when we couldn't come near to him, when we couldn't work our way to him, when we had nothing to offer him, he came down to us in the humble form of a baby, and he walked a crazy difficult path on this earth for 33 years, he faced every temptation known to man to show us that he has the strength to defeat any and every temptation, sin, and difficulty that threatens to strangle our lives. And he showed us that in that, while we were still sinners, the perfect son of God, he died for our every sin and need so that we could spend eternity with him in complete perfection, in his holy presence, in the most silent and holy night there will ever be. And it won't just be a night. It'll be eternity. An eternity that Paul says cannot even compare to these light and momentary trials we experience here on this earth. And Paul knows a thing or two about unplanned circumstances. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. If Paul was only looking at this life he was living here on this earth, he would have never called his afflictions light and momentary. 
Paul came to God by being blinded on the road to Emmaus. Um, He experienced shipwrecks. He was in prison numerous times and beaten to extremes we probably couldn't fathom. Yet he could call all that light and momentary small potatoes in one translation because he had adopted an eternal perspective. And he knew that once he was in heaven with Jesus in a perfect eternity, those things would be strangely dim. He wouldn't even remember those earthly problems because he had perfect, exceeding joy in being in eternity with our Savior. It wouldn't, wouldn't even compare. And, and that's the gospel, that God reached down into earth through a baby born in a manger by a teenage mom surrounded by a bunch of smelly livestock. He reached down and made a way for you and for I to become a part of his family in eternity. And he knows that that is of far greater magnitude than a healthy body and comfortable, cushy experiences here on this earth. He wants to take our brokenness and our pain and our hearts that are bent towards just seeing the slate, things that are the the way the world tells us they are, and he wants to use us to declare his story of love. And sometimes that's not very pretty. Um, My my story is still not awfully pretty, um, My body is still broken, but I've learned that that doesn't mean it's not worth sharing. There is no point when our stories become ready to share. When I was first asked to share my testimony a while ago by Leanne, like way at the beginning of this, she's so kind, um, I kind of laughed because, again, (laughs) with the inappropriate laughter. Um, But my earthly perspective was thinking that they might They might want to find a story with a happy ending. Uh, That's how we like things, right? All wrapped up with a pretty bow. But that's not real life. Um, 2 Corinthians 1, again, this is Paul. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Again, that's so beautiful. We can not only know that the circumstances of our lives are for the good, no matter what they look like from our earthly perspective, but we can know, even when we can't see it with our eyes, we can know that they have purpose. So I can continue walking through this, and you can continue walking through what you're walking through, knowing that God can use that abundantly. And that in itself gives so much joy. And it's a constant reminder that the suffering has purpose. I am so thankful that I got to learn that lesson at an early age. Um, Before this all happened, um, like I said, I was pretty healthy. I use that disclaimer, pretty. Um, I did already have a chronic disease called Crohn's disease. And it it was really well controlled most of the time. Um, 
but I did have scars. I was diagnosed when I was 10, and I was really sick for a while, um, but I really didn't want anybody to know. I, like, told my mom, my parents, not to tell people. That's a really weird thing to do, but I just, I didn't want people to know. I wanted to be a normal kid. Um, I actually asked my mom not to add me to our church prayer request list, which is really funny looking back because our church was like about that small. So like we knew everybody. Um, but, but thankfully she respected the power of pa- prayer more than my hope to remain normal. Uh, but growing up, I was in and out of the hospital so much that I, I told my mom I would never work in the hospital, which is, is funny. I would never, never work in the hospital. Um, because it just, I had bad memories there. Um, But somewhere along the way, God dissolved that stubborn desire to appear normal, and he grew a passion for seeing kids with chronic illness, uh, being able to see their illness not as a barrier to living a full life, but as an experience um, with which that they could live an even fuller life with the knowledge that they would never have otherwise. So I became a pediatric nurse, and and honestly, some of my favorite memories are sitting down with a kid and a family and showing them some of my scars, telling them about my my pick line when I was a kid, and and talking about how my illness wasn't a barrier, but a bridge, and theirs could be too. And that's the same thing with our stories. Sometimes a miracle is not in the healing. Um, It's not in a great rescue story. Sometimes a miracle is what God does with the pain, and that's really beautiful. We can't confuse God's love with conformity to our agenda, because sometimes, oftentimes, uh, we don't know what's best, right? And he doesn't always fix our disappointment, but he is always with us in our disappointment. Our, Our eternity with him will be the greatest miracle, and the miracles of this life, they're just shadows. Our miracle is the giver himself, not his gifts. So we can praise him for who he is and not what he does. So you may be saying, like, that's real cool, Melissa, great words. Um, but I'm actually in a really tough situation, and, and how do I not get crippled by this pain and suffering? And I would say you're doing it right now. You're filling your minds with new ways to see the chalkboard so you don't have to stare at just what you can see. You're shutting off the world's whispers, if only for a night, and and you're, you're not looking at the immediate circumstances, but you're listening to God's true word. You're dwelling on eternal hope, remembering that even when things look dark, you know that the light is coming. You can remember that Psalm 23, 6 says that surely goodness and mercy and love will follow me all the days of my life. So we've got goodness and we've got mercy as our bodyguards. One of my favorite passages in it is in Lamentations. Um, and Lamentations is full of laments. Um, very happy. It recor- recounts a time in history when it seemed like everything was just going wrong. Um, but in the midst of that utter despair, it, it says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And sometimes we just have to remember that, right? 
Mario and I, we have very different sleep schedules. Um, he prefers to go to bed at the same time as most children under 10. Um, I just can't fall asleep at 7.30. So I, I can promise you that he's probably in like his fifth cycle of sleep right now. I don't, I don't know much about sleep cycles. But, but nearly every night I end up needing to draw from my night shift ninja nurse skills and walk through our dark bedroom attempting not to wake my husband up that I just tucked in. Um, but, but you know what's funny about the dark? Just because you can't see things, it doesn't mean that they're not there. Our bedroom looks exactly the same in the light as it does in the dark. I just can't see it. Uh, but since I've walked through that room tons of times, I know exactly how many steps it takes before I need to not run into the bench. Um, I know exactly what height to reach my hand up to turn the doorknob. And that's sometimes what we have to do in our pain. We have to remind ourselves of the light. We have to look at the face of crippling darkness and remind ourselves of God's true, perfect, and good character. All the times he has proven his faithfulness in the past. And we need to remind ourselves that even now, even when we can't see it, it's true. And we need to surround ourselves with people that will help us do that, right? People that we can share our doubts and struggles with. Because if there's one thing I've learned from Scripture, it's that I'm not alone in my doubt and struggles and understanding suffering. Uh, we, we are not God, so we can't understand everything. So it's only natural that we would have questions. And it's all throughout this book. Uh, the, the Psalms alone are, are absolutely full of cries to God from David's pain and lack of understanding. So it's important for us to recognize that and to share those and to learn because we all have different experiences and can help each other in that. We often want safety and comfort in what we can see, uh, but God loves to take us into the wind and the waves because he wants to give us the opportunity to walk on water. He wants us in those places where we have to operate in faith because that's when we remember how big he is. He wants Christmas in your life. The word become flesh. It is super comforting knowing that there is a backup plan for tonight. Um, I always have a hospital bag packed because I, I really like to be prepared and I really don't like hospital gowns. Um, but God is not a backup plan. He's, he's not a contingency plan. Um, and, and Heidi knew something about God that, that we all need to grab a hold of, an, an essential truth, a, a truth that we can, we can be crippled by life circumstance if we don't understand. Yes, Jesus told us that in this world we will have trouble, but we don't have to be afraid. It, typically we fall into fear when we don't know. We're thrust into circumstances that don't seem like they're supposed to happen. But when we learn that disappointments and unplanned circumstances are actually supposed to happen, we don't have to fear them anymore. They're the things of Christmas carols and nativity scenes. And that doesn't mean we have to like the circumstances themselves, but when we learn that God can use them abundantly, we can like the ultimate goal even while not being super pumped about the means. Because every single thing is in God's all-sovereign and perfect control. And he can bring good out of any and every mess that this life throws at us. And when we believe him in that, when we have faith that he sent his perfect son 
to the earth to make amends for all of our sins and that he wants to justify us and declare us holy and perfect and righteous in his sight, if we have faith in him to do that and he has called us daughter, one day, one day that seems so far off now as we walk through our earthly days, uh, as we walk through the hospital, as we walk through divorce, as we walk through loss, as we walk through bankruptcy, one day that is actually only a mist away, we will enter into perfect rest, eternity with our perfect Father in heaven, in perfect bodies, with perfect relationships, walking on streets of gold with the most valuable gift we could ever be given, God himself, a God that parted the Red Sea, the God that used a little boy's lunch to feed over 5,000, the God that walked on water. In side note, I don't have time, as you well know, I'm really wordy. Um, I don't have time to more than mention it, but all those miracles stemmed from unplanned interruptions. In that God, he, he used his perfect son's death on a cross to bring light and salvation to all. And he transformed my sinful self into someone that can share his love no matter where I am. And he wants to use your story, your life, to do the same. So I want to disrupt the deep lie that a pain-free life is the only life where there is joy. That's ludicrous. Instead, we come together that, like the Christmas story, life is hard, and it's painful, and it's unplanned, and sometimes it's disappointing, but there is so much joy, and there's so much joy in the hard, and we don't need to hide that and pretend like everything's okay, because it's not supposed to be. We don't need everything to go as planned because we know that in the end, God has already made everything right. And there's so much strength on the other side of our suffering because of who Jesus is. And there can be flourishing in yours and my greatest limitations because Jesus has overcome every single constraint. And that's the gospel. Death made new life and broken things becoming new things. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, I thank you so much um, for this time here tonight. I thank you that I could be here. I thank you that each and every person who is in this room was able to be here. And I just thank you for the opportunity to celebrate who you are. Um, so often in the Christmas season, we, we think of external things. And I pray that you would just center our minds on who you are in the gift of your faithfulness and your love that, that makes it so it doesn't even matter what we experience here on this earth. Lord, I thank you for, for eternal life and the opportunity to choose that, to choose to be your daughter. I thank you um, that you want all of us to come to the knowledge of who you are. Thank you for Calvary in this time tonight, and, and I pray that you would just um, be with everyone as, as they are on their way home and in the, the upcoming Christmas season. I, I thank you for who you are. In your name, amen.